mission. There's a reason why our call to share Christ and his gospel is called the Great Commission. Not just another commission, it is the greatest task you will ever be assigned. Do you know that the tremendous blessing of helping somebody walk from darkness into light is an opportunity that we will never have again after we die? Never. There's no lost people in heaven. There's no need for evangelism. You have one chance to be a part of the work of Christ in saving someone's soul. And you're living in that chance right now. The church loving what Jesus loves. We're talking about the body today. Your notes this morning are Pastor Sean's notes, and they're worthless this morning because I won't be preaching his sermon. Um, he's actually going to save that for next week, so hang tight. You know those little lines under there? That's where you can fill in what I'm about to tell you, okay? All those little cool lines. He is older and better looking, and he is not here with us. And so um, you get me. Um, he called me Friday and said, you're on. <laughs> you're on. I got the black lung pop. <laughs> um, and so he said, you're on. And so I count this as a great privilege and opportunity as we talk about the church. I love the church. I love the local church. Because in the manifestation of the local church is the beautiful expression of Christ. And I'm excited for what he's going to do. So if you have your Bibles, let's buckle up. Let's get into the good stuff. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you, um, in one of the seats in front of you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to talk this morning about the body and how the gospel works within us. We're talking about the body of Christ and how the gospel works within each individual in the body. And the beauty is of this is that the power of God doesn't rest on buildings, it doesn't rest on programs, it doesn't rest upon religion, it rests upon the power of God working through his Holy Spirit in the life of every believer. As we talk about the body of Christ, I want to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ at work within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Huge task, but the Apostle Paul does it for us, so we're going to look at that together. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 6. Well, actually, verse 7 is where we're going to start, but I want to back up to verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we 
who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's pray. Precious Father, we come before you and I confess my dependency upon you this morning, Lord God. As we unpack your word this morning, I pray that it would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray, Lord God, that we would not be hearers of the word only, but we would be doers. We'd walk out of here and it would call us to action. That we would have a full understanding of your gospel. We would have a full understanding of what you're doing. Lord God, for we see what's going on in the world, Lord God. And, and I got to be honest, Lord God, sometimes I feel like that the tide is, is rising and we're basically, Father, just kind of treading water. Lord, help us. I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that this word would be a sharp, powerful, double-edged sword, and it would divide between our soul and spirit and our bone and our marrow. And Lord God, you would use this word to change us, your word, for all truth is your truth, and you are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through you. And so, Father, as always, Lord God, let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to start with this idea of the gospel at work within us. I want to share this idea that has kind of permeated the church recently, and probably when I say recently, in the last hundred years Lots of people talk about the gospel in the sense of they get saved and then they go live the Christian life. And then the gospel was that for salvation and it has no bearing kind of as we go forward in the Christian life. And the reality is, is this isn't true. The gospel is at work within us every moment of every day. It's not just what saves us, but it's what sustains us. It's what gets us out of the penalty box that we put ourselves in because of sin. Now, like, I know some of you think I'm perfect and I'm totally not, okay? And, and that's okay because when people come in for counseling, they go, well, I'm not perfect, but. 
No, the reality is because of sin, we have a tendency to disqualify ourselves to the things that God has called us to do because we think somehow that it's us that God wants to use. It's God in us that he wants to use. And so this idea is that the gospel is not just what saves us, but it sustains us. And and so the gospel is to intersect our life every moment of every day so that we stop disqualifying ourselves. If you're a hockey player, it's like going out on the ice and all the players going into the penalty box going, we know we're going to do something wrong. We know that we're going to do something wrong and we can't play this game, so we're just going to sit in the penalty box before the whistle is blown and we get stuck in the penalty box. It's this idea that you look at your life and you see the imperfections, you see the things that are broken about you, the things that you lack, and all of a sudden you go, whoa, God can't use that. God can't use that. Well, I'm here to tell you, church, if God can use a donkey, he can use me. There's a story in Leviticus that talks about Balaam, and the donkey talks to Balaam, and all of a sudden, God used a donkey. The gospel at work with us allows God to use us every moment of every day if we are yielded to him. And recognize that the power of God is not in us. It's not us. It's not us. It's in us. And so I want to start with the gospel. And so we're going to just go through this quickly. What are the core facts of the gospel? The core facts of the gospel are this. Number one, Jesus is God. Okay? Not a God, not like God. He is God. Huge delineation. We're not Mormons. He's not a God. We're not Jehovah's Witnesses. He's not like God. No, he is God, which means he was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. All of those things. He is deity. He is God. He is the one deity. Secondly, what is the core fact of the gospel? The second core fact of the gospel is this. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4 says that Christ died on the cross for our sins. This is the gospel. This is this, and that Jesus, number three, bodily rose from the dead. Now, why do I say bodily rose from the dead? Everyone goes, why do you say bodily rose from the dead? Because right now on seminaries, right now it's being discussed that Jesus spiritually rose from the dead, not bodily rose from the dead. And I'm here to tell you, church, Jesus bodily rose from the dead because this is the hope of eternal life for us, that we're going to get new bodies, That our bodies are going to be made new. And these old things that aren't built for eternity are going to be made and built for eternity. The tomb is empty and Christ bodily rose from the dead. And for us to believe anything else is heresy. For those of you that are new to church, heresy means really, really bad. Okay? God, Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus bodily rose from the dead. These are the core facts of the gospel. What do we do with this? We repent of our sins. 
1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number two, we believe the core facts of the gospel. Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the, with the heart one believes it is justified and with the mouth one confesses it is saved. So there's this process of we repent, we believe, and then the last part is this, we receive this gospel. We receive Christ. We receive the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, this regeneration. It's the gospel inside us, okay? I love Krispy Kreme donuts. Not going to confess. I'm going to confess. I guess I'm going to confess right now. When that light is on and I'm driving and the light is on, if the light's not on, okay, I can be strong. But when the light is on, I'm pulling in. Because you get a dozen, and then all of a sudden you've eaten six, and you fall into a sugar coma, and you're like, what just happened? Because the hot, they're hot. And they're like, all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh. It's incredible. Krispy Kreme makes donuts. They're hot. They're now. They're in amazing. And just talking about them gets me excited. Aren't you excited? We should all go. Let's go to Krispy Kreme right now. Let's, we need to just go, okay? No, but Krispy Kreme doesn't make donuts so that I can talk about it. Why does Krispy Kreme make donuts? For me to eat them. To get in my belly. That's why Krispy Kreme makes donuts. Christ didn't come to this earth so we could know about him and feel better about our sin and believes some core facts. The Bible says that even the devil believes. And remember, we talked about it in James. The devil believes and trembles. No, Jesus Christ came to this earth so that he could come into our life and save us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes what? In him. Literally in the Greek, that word is into him. Into, he's to come into our life. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ is God coming into our life. So what do we do with the gospel? We repent of our sins. We believe the core facts of the gospel, which is Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus bodily rose from the dead. And we receive him into our life. If you are a Christian, you have to do this or you are not a Christian. If you have, this has not happened to you, you are not saved. You could say, culturally, my parents are Christians, all of that kind of stuff, but the only way to be saved is through the person and work of Jesus Christ, namely the gospel, which means good news. This is the good news. Okay? You cannot save yourself. It is only Christ and his work. But what happens is, after we repent, believe, and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ into our life, okay? We disqualify ourselves. All through scripture, we see all of these people that have disqualified themselves because of some sort of a sin or weakness or something they don't like about themselves. And it's true today in our church. Not just our church, but all the churches, well, I'm not as good looking as Pastor Sean. I'm not as smart as, you know, oh, Pastor Colin. Or, you know, I'm not as, man, I'm not as great as and tall as Pastor Cliff. 
I, I can't do these things. No, here, here's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ It's God that makes up the difference in our life so that we can continue to serve him. Think of Gideon. Gideon is is threshing wheat in in a wine press because he's scared of the Midianites and God calls him. What? Think of Peter. He's standing at a fire and he denies Christ three times. And one of my favorite verses in scripture is found in Mark chapter 16, verse 7, when the angels are talking to the women, and he says, hey, go tell his disciples, and then there's a little phrase, and tell Peter. Because Peter had stuck himself in in the penalty box of life, and he needed to get out, and the angel called him specially because Peter was like, the other disciples, but not me. The other Christians, but not me. And so how does the gospel work within us? The Apostle Paul talks about it here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says this, verse 6, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts. Where's the light? Jesus, remember Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But then in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He that follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John chapter 1, men love their darkness. And then Jesus says in Matthew, you were the light of the world, church. You were the light of the world. Meaning that Christ now is in us shining light. And the apostle Paul is playing on this and he says, for God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, Christ in us has shown in where? Our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, that our light shines in the face of Jesus Christ, making Christ, so meaning this, that your life shines so that people can see the face of Jesus. And instantly, I'm sure the readers of Corinth are going, man, not us. We slept with some temple prostitutes and we were kind of a messy church. Man, we did some really, we've done some really bad stuff. If you don't believe me, 1 Corinthians, that's, that's all what 1 Corinthians is about. Yeah, you know all those things? You know, there's a guy in your church and he's, he's like sleeping with his stepmom. Yeah, that's not good. You should kick him out. You got to discipline him, you know, and hopefully that he repents. There's all kinds of messy stuff going on. And so instantly, they're probably thinking, yeah, man, the light probably is not shining through me very well. And then he goes into verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Think of of the light, the treasure. What's the treasure? What's the treasure? Then why do I say the treasure is the gospel? Or it's Christ in us. There's the light and the treasure. What's this treasure that he's talking about? Remember when he talked about the, the, the field and there's a treasure and you sell everything that you have to buy that field because you want that treasure? That's the gospel. That's the work of the gospel in our life. Church, don't miss this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Then he calls us jars of clay. This is a clay pot. And he's saying we have light in here 
and we have treasure in here. Exciting, huh? Can you see the light? No. Can you see the treasure? No. Well, oh, hey, there's a $100 bill in there. If I had a little light, if I put a candle in there, it would burn everything, so I'm not going to put a candle in there. There's light. I can see what's inside now. That's why, look at what the Apostle Paul says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. Now, let's get better. Then he goes in verse 8 and says, but we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. Instantly, he says, the only way that the treasure and the light will be displayed is when, listen, Christian, we're afflicted, when we're perplexed, when we're persecuted, when we're struck down. The world and the unbelieving world of people that are not Christians aren't looking to see the authenticity of Christ in us when things are going well. They're looking at us when things are going poorly in our life. And what is our response, Christians, when we're broken? Oh my goodness. We try to cover up. You got cracks in your, in your pot, your clay pot. What do we do? We try to fill it in. Because we, we, because we don't want anybody to see our cracks. Oh, God forbid. We don't want anybody to see our brokenness. God forbid. People will think we're not perfect or something. No, but the only way we can see the treasure and the light inside is in pieces. But we've been doing this since the garden. What had happened when Adam and Eve sinned? What did they do? They instantly recognized they were naked and they tried to cover themselves up. They tried to, to, to hide. They put themselves in the perpetual penalty box. They disqualified themselves. Now, were they disqualified because of their sin? Yes. And what did God have to do? He had to intervene. And the Bible says that he killed an animal, shed the blood, put the skins over Adam and Eve. That's the gospel. Christ, God, killed his son, Jesus Christ, and through his blood, he's forgiven us of our sins and he's covered us so that when we are broken, the light of Jesus Christ shines out. The treasure inside us is seen by all. So how does the gospel work within the Christian? How does it work within the church? Here it is. I want to give you three things. The first one is this. The gospel is clearly displayed when us in, within us when we are broken. Not when we're doing well. Not when we're doing happy. When we sacrifice. When we do things that don't make sense to the world. When we respond with joy, when most people respond with hate. When we respond with love, when most people respond with anger. Why are we trying to cover up our cracks? All we're doing is covering up the light of Christ in us and the gospel at work within us.
why are we trying to cover up this treasure that God has placed within us? Because it's through those cracks that the light of the gospel comes through. And people look and go, yeah, there's not a lot special about clay pot, but what's inside is invaluable. That's what I want. It's the fact that God uses the weak things of the world, church, to confound the things that are wise, the mighty. The more broken and messed up we are, when the gospel comes in and changes it, then all of a sudden it's changing us from the inside out and then we don't have to spend thousands of millions of dollars on plastic, billions of dollars on plastic surgery trying to look a certain way, act a certain way, be something else because it doesn't really matter what we think about ourselves or what others think about us. It only matters what God says about us and that he's in us. Secondly, how does the gospel work within the Christian? The gospel brings unity of faith. So he talks about always caring about the body of the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may manifest in our mortal flesh. Yes, Christ through us, he's living through us. So the more that we die, the more he lives. It's a great paradox. So death is at work within us, but life is within you. Since we have the same spirit of faith. So he's talking about we. Now he starts talking about we. We have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written. I believe and so I spoke and we believe and so we speak. Here's the deal. Because of our brokenness, because of the difficulties in our life, because we're clay pots, we speak. The power of God works within us through us, so that the world would go, man, there's not much to that clay pot. Yes, you're right. The value of us is Christ in us. And this brings unity of faith because we get to look at each other and go, yeah, you're a clay pot too. I'm a clay pot too. Wouldn't you like to be a clay pot? We're all clay pots. And so I don't have to worry about how messy you are or how broken you are or how messed up you are. My response, according to the scripture, is to just love you and to encourage you that the gospel still is at work within your life and it should be permeating through. And when the gospel is not permeating through, the question is either you're trying to hide yourself or the gospel's really not in there. But the gospel brings unity of faith through salvation. And then he talks about this. He says, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Meaning this, the more that the gospel is at work, the more thankful we are. The more that the gospel is at work within us, the more thankful we should be. We live in a really ungrateful time especially in our country. I would love to take you on some missions trips. Some of you disqualified yourself, don't want to go on a missions trip. Requalify yourself. Come on a missions trip with me. Some, I would love to just take you on a missions trip because you would be so much more thankful. And I'm not thankful for stuff. I'm just talking about thankful to worship. 
Like, that we get to come together and sing praise songs to Jesus Christ here without the worry of a group of Muslim men coming in with bats and beating the pastor and some of the church parishioners. Yeah, 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 that happened. They're, I'm doing this pastor's conference and they're like, man, it's been a good year. I'm like, tell me about it. He goes, I've only been beat up twice this year for the gospel. This is the pastor rejoicing because he's been beat up less for the gospel. We don't have that threat. I'm pretty thankful for that. Thanksgiving is the key to getting, God, getting into God's presence. Remember what does it say in Psalm 100, verse 4? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So how do you do with the gates with Thanksgiving? When I think about the clay pot and nothing really special about it and that the power's within it and it brings unity of faith, I think about this guy, Alex, when we went to, um, we went to Ukraine and we're, we got back from Ukraine, the team got back from Ukraine and here's this guy, he's a boxer, new, brand new Christian. In fact, I talked to one of the pastors and he was just saying, yeah, yeah, he's really, really new Christian. Maybe even not a Christian where he's, we're, we're working through it. This guy's working through it. Working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Put up, bring up the picture of Alex. He's the guy with the beard and we're doing like this. He, he, he was a boxer. There he is. He was a, he's a boxer. He, he fought in the war, uh, the first war with Crimea, with Russia. Um, had some injuries, some PTSD, some stuff or whatever. And then basically he had a boxing ring and, and this building and it, and it was training young boys and people to be boxers, okay? Well, he, when the war broke out, he basically kind of opened up his, his building and he said, hey, I'll take 200. Okay, well, he ended up getting 2,000. And they're not refugees, they're internally displaced people because they don't leave Ukraine. They're still in Ukraine, okay? So he's there and he basically takes his boxing group and takes them outside and basically just starts being obedient, just being faithful. Bring up some more pictures. We got some really great pictures of this. So there's the boxing rink, if you can't see it in the middle, and then you see kind of, and, and there's the beds, and then go ahead to the next one. And then there's, and there's another ring that's a different room. Go ahead. And that's one of the vehicles that some people came and left and there's some bullet holes in the side as they were leaving one of the cities. They were getting shot by Russian soldiers as they're leaving with their family in the car. And on the signs it says, don't shoot, we have children in the car. Doesn't really matter. Where's the other one? The other one is the one with the food and stuff. And we, we had the opportunity to be able to just come and at Coastal, first 10 cents of every dollar, you go, well, where is it going? This is where it's going. This is where it's going for the furtherance of the gospel. And he's sharing his story and we bring some food in that we got to purchase so that these people can eat. Be in the hands and feet of Jesus so that the pastors can continue to come in and share the gospel and the Christian leaders can come in and continue to share the gospel with these people because they have nothing. And there's nothing special about this guy, Alex. Not impressive. Just a clay pot that basically kind of came together and said, hey, I'll, I'll do what I can. Here's what I can. 
And we have, and the thing is, is as he's working through the gospel in his life, I was talking to one of the pastors, and as he's working through the gospel in his life, I, was real, I realized that we are saved all over the world through the same gospel, the same grace, the same faith. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. For it's, so grace extends to more and more people, and it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And this is the last, last point. So we don't lose heart, though our outward self is wasting away. The jar of clay is wasting away. It says that our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is prepping for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Church, you're getting older every day, every minute. Even you young people, once you're born, you start to get older. I looked in the mirror this morning, and I'm getting older. Are you going to give me water? Thank you, sir. And getting older and getting older. And the older and older that I get, the more I look in the mirror, the more I realize things are sagging. My wife looked at me and goes, you're getting old. I said, yes, yes, I am. I said, but you're getting younger. It's amazing how that works. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And so the suffering and the difficulties and the brokenness and the things that we don't like about ourselves, the very things that we hate about ourselves are the very things that God wants to use. Are the very things that God wants to use. Because it says for it's light and momentary affliction. It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Because what's the goal? The goal is not to focus on the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. And I love what he says, for the light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The gospel focuses us on the eternal, so we can endure in this life all the suffering, all the hardship, and we can live courageously. You need to understand that, that Living courageously comes after we've lived in the presence of God, after we've been in the presence of God. Look at verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. The goal of the Christian life, the goal of us as the church is to be in the presence of God. In fact, there was a guy named Brother Lawrence, and he said, we have to practice the presence of God. This is worshiping in our private time. So that what's on the inside, what's on the outside will be consumed with what's on the inside. So that the more it wastes away, the more Christ is made evident in our life. I'll never forget, I was in a cancer ward, 23 years old. I'm dying, and I'm with a guy, and his name was John. And he was dying too. And he was way further along in his cancer. And this was kind of a last ditch effort as we were doing some treatment stuff. And we're sitting there and we're going to die. And he just looks at me and he's wasting away. His body is like nothing. Like he's a skeleton. He has the biggest smile on his face. And he says, I figured it out. I said, what did you figure out? 
He says, I'm gonna have the best looking body in heaven because the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Look at this thing. I don't know whether to laugh or cry and we're telling jokes and he's telling jokes every day. He practiced the presence of God every morning in his private time so that what was on the inside consumed what was on the outside. You didn't see this man who was wasting away and dying. And here's the thing, proper action follows internal intimacy with God. You want a proper action in your life? You've got to get alone with God and get intimate with him. This is why Jesus, before he picked his disciples, he prayed all night, and then he picked his 12 disciples. This is why Jesus, before he went to the cross, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed all night. Because he had an intimate relationship with the Father. Because he recognized what's going to happen on the outside isn't going to matter. It's what happens on the inside and that intimate worship and intimate connection with God. It's why I'm calling you tonight to come pray. Because it has nothing to do with what's on the outside, here or out there. It has everything to do with the power of God working in our lives and us coming together corporately and saying, God, we acknowledge you because everything good about us is on the inside, not on the outside. We're just broken pieces of clay, cracked, messed up. And we're asking you to be glorious through that. So we don't lose heart. Our focus is on the things that are eternal. I just want to close with this scripture and then we're done. Worship team's going to come. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. I'm going to read it from the NLT so it'll be up on the screens. This is why, and so I'm circling it back around. So the Apostle Paul wrote this at the very beginning of 1 Corinthians to them. And now I want to read it again because maybe they went back and read his letter 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 31. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things that God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing to what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Jesus Christ. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom himself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. He's the one on the inside. He's the one that's making all things new. He's the one that's making all things beautiful. Let's pray. Precious Father, I just thank you for each person here. 
I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that you would fill us with your spirit and control our lives. I pray, Lord God, that you would receive all the praise, the honor, and the glory today. Thank you, Father. We love you. God, help us to recognize that these jars of clay, Lord God, you put us in clay for a reason, God, so that we would recognize that the power and the work and the beauty is, is you. You're the treasure. You're the light. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the worship team was going to come at some point. Let's all stand up. We'll get ready to come. We'll get ready to we'll close in song. If you need to do business with God, if you need to pray, if you're here today and you know what? You said, you know what? I don't have that gospel. I don't have that gospel that you talked about at the beginning. There'll be some people up here that would love to take a Bible and show, share with you what it is to have a relationship with Christ. If you're here today and you put yourself in the penalty box and you said, you know what? I'm done. God can't use me. Let me say, get over yourself. Get over yourself. It's not about you. It's about Christ in you. And Christ hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday and forever. And he wants to use you. And it's time for you to get out of the penalty box and to start get, getting back into the action. He wants to use you. Well, God can't use me. He can use anybody. And it's time. And maybe you just need to tell somebody and you need to pray with somebody. We're going to sing and then we'll be dismissed. But don't leave here without making that decision.